heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Every one of us is a sinner and we needed a Savior as we talked about this morning. And the Lord looked down from heaven, saw us in our need and provided a Savior for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the response in that song, uh, the response to his uh, death on the cross, to his love for us, to him giving everything for us, is that I will serve him because I love him. So we want to look this morning, we've been looking actually in, in Matthew chapter 10 uh, for the last several weeks, and really the, the chapter describes for us the, uh, the Lord's commission of us to, to serve him and the sacrifices that um, are going to be um, asked of us as we serve him. So we, we want to look at uh, the final verses this morning in, John, in Matthew chapter uh, 10, verses 40 through 42, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But before we do, let's just open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenges that you set before us and that you give us um, everything we need for life and godliness and that you have uh, described for us in advance the things that we can expect as we serve you. But Lord, we want to just say this morning that we serve you because we love you. And uh, we thank you for what you've done for us. And we thank you for um, the rewards that you offer to us as well. And as we look at these this morning, we pray that we might be motivated to serve you even more. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a young boy, my uh, first job, well, my first job was with my father sweeping floors in his shop, but my first paying job was uh, a paper route that I had in our neighborhood. It didn't pay a lot, and it was a lot of work delivering papers day by day, late in the evening on hot summer nights and um, the, in the wintry snow as well. But one of the things that motivated me to keep doing it was that the newspaper offered prizes. Um, for each new account that you got, you would earn prizes or awards or rewards or points, actually. And so as you built up these points, um, you could buy something with it at the newspaper store. And so for a month of no complaints, you earned points. When a customer gave you a good review, you earned points. When you were good in your service, you gained points. And when you had enough points, you'd trade them in uh, for a prize. And so the reward was an incentive to do a good job. Today, many of us are on social media, and for some here, um, it's a real, there's a real motivation to get likes. Everybody likes likes or loves or cares now. And uh, some affirmation that people read what you posted and liked what you posted or liked what you did. Uh, Facebook and other platforms have tapped into incentivizing us for speaking on their platforms. The more likes you get, the better, right? And even in the workplace, uh, there may be many prizes or rewards. At the very basic level of work, we are rewarded for our labor with our salary or with the income that we get from our work. It should produce a wage. And so wage is a motivation 
to keep us coming back to work. For others, the wage simply isn't enough. And they want not only the wage, but they want all the benefits of health care, sick pay, maternity, paternity leave, vacation pay, retirement funds, and the list goes on and on and on. The more handsomely you are rewarded, the greater is the incentive to keep working at the same employer, with the same employer. And in many jobs, they also incentivize workers by giving us titles like coordinator or team leader or assistant manager, project manager, manager, director, account executive, vice president, project manager, uh, uh, sorry, executive, executive vice president, president of sales, president of the company, CFO, CTO, CIO, CEO, and so on. The more letters after your name, the more incentive it is to continue working there. These rewards are given for accomplishments or for the work that is well done. In the sports arena, there are prizes that are sought after. If you're in the Olympics, a bronze medal is good, a silver medal is better, but the most sought after medal is the, um, the gold medal. Okay. Um, first prize ribbon is uh, another, hang on a sec, we're just, okay, go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. Um, the Olympic gold medal is the most sought after in the Olympics. Um, but there are other sports where first prize is a ribbon. Um, in, the, in the NHL, the Stanley Cup is sought after by the team. Uh, in the Super Bowl, the MVP is sought after. Many trophies, jackets, ribbons, even the military uh, hands out ribbons and medals for extraordinary service and sacrifice. All of these are to motivate us to do well in whatever our endeavor may be. You may think, well, it's fun to watch the best of the best, but I'll never be good enough to win an Olympic gold medal. I will never share in one of the professional sports trophies. I'm just a lowly worker whose name will never appear in any corner office. I never won a ribbon. I never, I've never been recognized for any award. And my accomplishments will never win a prize. Well, you may be surprised as we read our passage this morning, that that's just simply not true. So for the last several weeks, as we've been studying Matthew 10, Jesus challenges his disciples to live sacrificial lives of service. We are to live for him, holding nothing back, even if we are ridiculed or despised, even if people turn against us, even if friends and family become our enemies. And we may even be called to die for him. Persecution, Fear, lack of peace, and even warlike conditions are part of our job description as Christ's followers. But today's message at the very end of chapter 10 is different. It's motivational. It's about incentives and rewards for serving the Lord. Some Christians, more holy than I am, say, well, I, I, I don't serve the Lord for the rewards. I just serve the Lord because I want to. And that's good. I'm glad you do. I serve the Lord because I want to, too. But the Lord is going to reward them anyway for their service and a job well done. So the Lord is watching you 
and he's ready to reward you beyond your wildest dreams. Let's take a look at Matthew 10, verse 40, and to the end. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now, I'm going to start off by saying this. We do not do good works to earn our salvation. You already know that. But we do good works because we are saved. Our good works are not meritorious. Works are not the root, but they are the fruit of salvation. Our acceptance before God is based on what Jesus has already done not by what we now do. We are already accepted in the beloved. So when we serve the Lord in any manner, the Lord recognizes our, our work as service for him and love for him, and he handsomely rewards all that is done in his name and for his sake. You may say, well, what can I do for the Lord? I don't have any skill. I don't play an instrument. I can't sing on tune. I trip over my tongue when I try to witness. I don't even know what my spiritual gift is. I'm just a great big nobody. But listen to what the Lord says about you in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. That means that we are the handiwork or the masterpiece of God created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When God saved you, you were his masterpiece. And as his masterpiece, he prepared before eternity, before uh, time began, he, he, pre he prepared works for you to do for him, that you might serve him, that you might walk in them, and that he might reward you for doing those works. So the Lord has works for you to accomplish. What are you waiting for? Let's start with these verses in Matthew and see the rewards in action. The first scenario is found in verse 40. How others treat you as a believer is really the, the, the point in this verse. Suppose you're traveling, and as a believer, you show up at a church one Sunday morning. It's not Calvary, it's some other church you go to. And people at the church ask you for your testimony. And you share with them how the Lord saved you. And they recognize that you are a believer, just like they are. And they invite you into their home, they provide you with meals, they may provide you with lodging. And they do this simply because you belong to Jesus. You're a Christian. You're a believer. They're doing it for his sake. Last year, Daniel and Christine were traveling through different states on a road trip, and they came to Montana. They were going to go to Glacier National Park, which is at the northern end of Montana. 
and then they were going to make their way into Canada. But as they were driving that way, they said, oh, we forgot our passports at home. And so they called me and said, is there any way for you to get us our passports so we can go into Canada? I called friends in Montana, Peter and Louise Daly, um, and they gave me the name of a Christian couple named Steve and Melanie Haymond, who lived just outside of Glacier National Park. I called them and I asked them if they would be willing to receive a package with the passports of my kids at their house. And if I could overnight it to them at their address, my kids would stop by and pick it up. And um, Melanie was the one who was, I was talking to on the phone and she said, where are your kids staying? And I said, well, they're just doing Airbnbs along the way. And she said, nothing doing. She said, have them cancel the Airbnbs. They're staying with us. If they're believers, they're gonna stay in our home. I told them, look, I didn't call for that reason. This is not the reason I called. I just wanted you to receive a package for them, that's it. And she said, no, I know that's why you called, but we want them to stay with us. Steve and Melanie did not know me. They didn't know my kids, but they knew, they know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they welcomed my family as if they were welcoming the Lord. My kids stayed there for several days with them. And I understand that Melanie rose early each morning to make them breakfast before they left the house to go out hiking in the mountains and made sure that they were cared for that day. Steve and Melanie will be rewarded by the Lord as if they had received the Lord Jesus Christ in their home, as if the Lord himself had come to stay with them. And I think of many of the saints at Calvary who have opened their homes for believers and unbelievers who walk through our doors. There are believers who have opened their homes for lodging, uh, for traveling Christians. I think of Matt, who has often hosted missionaries for meals prior to the uh, Wednesday night prayer meeting. Um, I remember the Longs who reach out to the community and open their home to strangers. I think of the Ormsbys who open their home to plant this church and open their home for Christians to live with them. I remember Jean Bruton who along with her husband Bob opened their home to plant a new assembly. The assembly became Mission Peak Bible Chapel and uh, this is the very place, the building um, that we um, received from them. I appreciate the Shapiros who have often opened their home and have jumped in with pizza lunches on work days and special occasions. I think of Peggy and Lita and Daniel and David and Christine who have gone a few extra miles out of their way to provide rides to the saints who couldn't drive and to get them to church. I think of the Costanzos, Mary, Kathy, Megan and Hannah, Samantha and the Hollowell girls, Christina, Maritza, Marion, Jen, Krista, Christine, Elizabeth, Joanne, Renee, Chest, Sharon, and all her girls and who have seen the needs in the assembly of new mothers, of six saints, and have coordinated and put together care packages or a meal train, and who have relieved some of the suffering and the sickness and injuries of those who are, are hurting. Or they've reached out with a card or a phone call or a text or an email. 
They are behind the meal trains, the outreach to the Hayward Food Kitchen, the outreach to East Oakland, the ice cream socials, the barbecue picnics, and all of the baked goods and food supply for our nutrition breaks. These are grand displays of hospitality. What you do for the saints is being done for the Lord, and He will reward you according to His riches. The Lord looks at all such kindnesses done for his servants and counts it as if they were done for him. When you receive another Christian just because they belong to the Lord, it's as if you are receiving the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you show hospitality, you will be rewarded by the Lord. If you give them a place to stay, rewarded. If you take them out for a meal, rewards are coming. Did you send someone a care package, bring over a meal? Rewarded. Whatever is done for you or whatever you do for others, just because we belong to the Lord, we have done it for the Lord. Think of Matt, Michael, Luke, David, and others who have served as deacons in the church, keeping accounts of the books, the needs of our widows, and the facilities. There is a reward for that. I applaud Jen for keeping the schedule and trying to fit everyone into the quarterly workload. There is a reward for that. For Maritza, putting out the chapel directory, there is a reward for that. And to those who fulfill their duties on the schedule, in the kitchen, in the cleanup, in the setup, in preaching, teaching, music, sound system, opening and closing the chapel, helping with food, there's a reward for all of that too. Did you visit the sick? Did you visit the shut-ins? Did you encourage the inmates at Bethesda or at the hospital? There's a reward for that. Did you pick up the phone and call someone just to encourage them or send a text or a sympathy card or a get well card? There's a reward for that too. Did you take care of the nursery or the children's ministry or Sunday school or the Calvary cadets? There's a reward for that too. Many of you are literally piling up reward after reward after reward each and every week. Now, I'm not going to steal the thunder of the preacher who's going to teach from uh, Matthew chapter 25, but I do want to just read a couple of verses there where the Lord so closely allies himself with the lowliest believers that he makes a point of rewarding those who care for those lowly believers. He says, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the Lord goes on to say, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. It's not about ministering to big names in Christian circles, but about ministering to the lowliest of his saints. But perhaps you're thinking, I wish I could be rewarded for doing something spectacular for the Lord. I wish I could have been a missionary to an unknown tribe. I wish I could have been a worldwide evangelist preaching to millions with the gospel. I wish I had been given the gift of preaching or teaching and I could reach thousands of people across 
the planet. I wish I had the voice of an angel and could sing praises to the Lord before auditoriums of believers. I wish I had an endless supply of money that I could give massive amounts to the Lord's work. And if you think that way, I understand it because I thought that way too. About 40 years ago, I entered into the discipleship intern training program as a student. And I wanted to learn to study the Bible. I wanted to learn to teach. I wanted to learn to preach and to evangelize. But I didn't do so well as an evangelist. I remember Gene Gibson used to have a Monday night visitation program and one of the lessons that he taught was learning how to do natural transitions in a conversation from the ordinary to the spiritual. And we were supposed to uh, do, do one of those transition um, uh, that week and, and uh, then report on it that next Monday. And so I had terrible time thinking of what to do. And I remember I was in the laundromat one day and uh, <laughs> I saw a guy put a dollar in the change machine and I thought, here's my opportunity to transition from the normal, average, mundane to the spiritual. And I said, so you're looking for change, <laughs> are you? And he said, yeah, I just got four quarters. I said, well, I can tell you someone who can change your life. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> and I remember saying this the next Monday, and Gene just kind of <laughs> hit his forehead with a uh, fist a fist uh, slam on his, on his or face palm and uh, just shook his head at me. And I thought, well, I'm no evangelist. And then I, um, that, you know, apparently that wasn't my gift. And uh, we also had a class on teaching and preaching. And I remember that uh, after a guy kind of blew it, um, you know, he would take a passage and he would preach to the other interns. And uh, these were all practice, you know, sessions. And Gene would then get up and preach the same passage without any notes or anything, just on the fly. And it was always so much better. And when I did mine, he got up and just basically <laughs> threw away everything I had said and, and then preached uh, what I should have said. And again, I just looked at it and I thought, well, preaching apparently is not my gift either. And I tried writing and I was told after I finished my uh, evangelistic booklet Someone said to me, well, don't rush this to press anytime soon. And I thought, well, I'm just a great big failure at everything. And I thought how great it would be to get the rewards of what seemed to be the better gifts. Then I, if I had the crowns or if I had the rewards of those greater gifts, I could lay them all at the feet of Jesus. So to hear that none of these gifts seemed to be mine was somewhat deflating. I had to assume that my rewards would then be minimal. And I wondered, would I even have one crown that I could place at the feet of Jesus? But these verses we looked at this morning gave me new hope. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, a prophet's reward you will get. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you will receive a righteous man's reward. The reward of a prophet must be the greatest reward, for he is giving direct revelation from the Lord. But if I simply receive that prophet and take care of that prophet, 
I will receive the same reward that he gets. That means that the widow who cared for the prophet Elijah will get the same reward as Elijah. Wow, that's amazing. If you receive a righteous man, just a lowly disciple of the Lord, you will receive the same reward that he receives. In fact, the last verse essentially says that even if all you do is stand on the sidelines of the marathon we call the Christian life and hand out cups of cold water in the name of a disciple, not even in the Lord's name, in the name of a disciple, to every thirsty runner who passes by, the Lord will take notice of it and he will reward you for that too. One day, about 36 years ago, as I considered these verses that tell me that I can receive a prophet's reward and a righteous man's reward, and I can be rewarded for giving a cup of cold water um, for the Lord, I thought, can I also receive a reward of a teacher, a preacher, an evangelist? And I remember I spotted a book in my library, which has a terrible title called Literature Evangelism. Certainly not something to motivate me to get the book and read it, but I did. And I remember after reading through the book, I simply prayed, Lord, I may not be an evangelist. That may not be the gift you've given me. But please give me the fruit and the reward of an evangelist. Lord, I may not be a teacher. I may not be a preacher. But please give me the fruit and the reward of a teacher and a preacher. Lord, if I can spread their work, not my work, but the teacher's work, the preacher's work, the evangelist's work, let me at least do that and let me get the reward of the teacher, the preacher, and the evangelist. Not many days later, I was sitting at my computer attempting to write another short gospel booklet and I was struggling to make the message clear and concise and I had been writing it for a long time and uh, after writing for a while, John DeLisi, who used to be at our assembly, came over for a visit and he said, Don, what are you doing? And I told him I was trying to write a gospel booklet and I explained that I was having difficulty in making the message clear. And he said, it's already been done. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, let me just go get you, get you a booklet from my car. And he came back into the house and he brought me a booklet called Ultimate Questions, written by an evangelist and apologist, John Blanchard. And as I read through the book, it was exactly what I was trying to do. It was exactly what I was trying to say, but so much better. Here was an evangelist who had put words into a book and it was exactly what I wanted to see in print. Now, I may not be an evangelist, but I wanted the fruit and reward of an evangelist. So I contacted the publisher and we set up a distribution network for the book and we began shipping that book all over the world. Over a period of years, millions of copies of that book went out through our little tiny back room in our, in our house to over 50 countries around the world. Now, of course, it wasn't just me distributing the book. There were thousands of people who were also involved in distributing the book, and they too will receive an evangelist reward. Even though evangelism is not my gift, I believe that the Lord is offering an evangelist reward. 
And so the same applies to you. Some of the people that distributed the book gave out one copy. Some gave out 10, some 100, some 1,000. But whatever seed they sowed as evangelists, it wasn't their message, but it was the message they believed. And as they presented that message to unsaved people, the, the word of God went out, and I believe the Lord will offer an evangelist reward. As we distributed these books, some of you also helped us to get them out. You volunteered freely of your time. Some of you sacrificed financially to get them out to a wider audience. And you too will also receive an evangelist reward. But I wanted more than that. I wanted a teacher's reward too, a preacher's reward too. When the idea was proposed to Bill McDonald to write a two-volume commentary on the entire Bible, the Believer's Bible Commentary, um, it was an enormous undertaking. But many of you um, rallied around to help with typing, with proofreading, with making editorial suggestions, and encouraging Bill to keep on with the work, to complete the work. And I believe that there is a teacher's reward for you. When the first printing of the book came out, we took a large portion of that initial printing and sent the book overseas to missionaries to encourage them personally in their study of the word and just encourage them um, in, in their service for the Lord. But the interesting thing is that this resulted in many of the missionaries taking up a challenge to translate the book into the language of the people with whom they worked. And as a result, dozens and dozens of languages of that book uh, have been, uh, I mean, have been trans that book has been translated into dozens and dozens of languages, and the work continues even to this day. Now, I never imagined, I never even asked for a translator's award, but I don't think the Lord's going to be stingy. I think there's a translator's award too. The Bible uses a phrase to describe the way God gives. It says that he gives according to the riches of his grace. Listen to that again. According to the riches of his grace. And again, he says, according to, the rich, according to his riches in glory. It does not say he gives out of his riches. He gives according to his riches. So if he gave out of his riches, that means that if he gives you something, that he has less of it. That's not the case with the Lord. If he gives you something, he still has it all. <laughs> He's just given you out of his, or I'm sorry, given you according to his riches. His riches are limitless. That's the point. He, there's no measure of his riches. They're limitless. And so the Lord's limitless giving is seen again in this passage we looked at this morning. Not only does a prophet get a prophet's reward, but if a believer simply receives a prophet, he also gets a prophet's reward. And there must be limitless prophet's rewards to go around because that same prophet could be received by somebody new every single day. And every single person who receives that prophet will receive a prophet's reward. They aren't all sharing one reward that is being sliced up and chopped down into a sliver, but each one is getting a full prophet's reward. The entire 
reward is given to everyone just for receiving the prophet because he is the Lord's servant. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. The same God who counts the hair on your head, mine changes every day and so does yours, he records all things done for him, even a cup of cold water given in a disciple's name, but he also says later in, a, in his name. And so as you study the rewards in Scripture, it's actually very encouraging and it should be very motivating to us to serve the Lord. This is no paper route we're doing with prizes that you can buy at the newspaper store. These are rewards that have eternal value. These are crowns. These are rewards that, that are not like the perishable crown that is given to the original Olympic runner. These are imperishable crowns, imperishable rewards that he is offering to us. And there are two main scriptures that come to mind dealing with um, the rewards. We're not going to study them or even look at them this morning, but just for your own sake and your own study later on, I recommend to you 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 15, and 1 Corinthians 9, verses 16 through 27. Do a study on the crowns and the rewards, and I think you'll find that it's a tremendous motivation to serve the Lord in spite of any suffering that you may experience. As you serve the Lord, the rewards are well worth. Salvation by itself is enough, but he rewards on top of that. I want to talk to you just for a minute, just as we close, about the, the crowns. What are the crowns that he offers to us? Remember in Revelation, the, the scene is presented before us of the Lord who is um, seated on the throne and the crowns that have already been given to the saints are taken and they are cast before him and, and they're placed at his feet. It's, it's basically saying, Lord, I am not worthy of anything you've given me not salvation, not the rewards, not the crowns. Here, I give back to you all that you've given to me. You alone are worthy. Think about that as you serve the Lord. He offers an imperishable crown. 1 Corinthians 9.25 Do you know that people that we have led to the Lord are called our crowns? In Philippians 4.1 and 1 Thessalonians 2.19 the crown of righteousness is another crown, and that's given to all Christians who love his appearing. Are you looking for the Lord to come back? Are you looking and waiting and watching, anticipating his soon coming? The Lord is coming soon, and those who are waiting and watching for him, who love his appearing, are going to be given a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. Do you know that suffering in this life there's a crown for that. It's called the crown of life. And it's given to all who endure trials just because you love the Lord. The Lord looks upon you. If you've suffered a slight, do you remember the Lord said of him that he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief? We can be also, we can also suffer for his sake. And as we suffer, as we are maligned by family or by friends or suffer as we have read in Matthew chapter 10. Any suffering that we endure for the sake of Christ, he offers to us the crown of life. 
James chapter 1, verse 12, and Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. And then finally, there's the unfading crown of glory that is offered to faithful elders, and it will be given by the chief shepherd to his under-shepherds in 1 Peter 5, verse 4. But there's more than crowns. There are rewards. Don't know what they are exactly, but there are rewards that he offers to us as well. In Matthew 5, 12 and Luke 6, 23, there are rewards in addition to the crown. There are rewards for enduring persecution. Matthew 6, 1 through 4 says that there is a reward for charitable deeds that are done in secret. If you give to the Lord in secret, if you give to somebody without any kind of fanfare, there's a reward for that. Secret prayer, Matthew 6, 5, 5 and 6, there is a reward for secret prayer. There's a reward for secret fasting, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. There is a prophet's reward. We looked at that this morning. And that's for not only the prophet, but for those who receive the prophet. There's a righteous man's reward for the righteous man and for those who receive the righteous man. Again, in our passage, the cup of cold water, uh, the Lord is going to reward that if it's given in the name of a disciple. This passage, Matthew 10, 42. A cup of cold water given in the Lord's name, Mark 9, 41. There are rewards for our self-denial and works for him, Matthew 16, 27. There is actually a reward called a great reward for loving your enemies and doing good to those who persecute you. Why? Because that is so uh, demonstrative of, of how the Lord treated us. We were his enemies and he treated us with love. And if we love our enemies, he will give us a great reward, Luke 6, 35. There are rewards for evangelism, and that means even planting seeds, handing out a gospel tract, a gospel booklet, watering seeds, uh, just talking to somebody who's already heard the gospel and just nudging them along. Ultimately, it's the Lord who brings a person to, to salvation. The only part we really have in it is planting and watering. It's the Lord who brings the increase. But it's a wonderful thing to be part of that work of evangelism. And the reward is seen in 1 Corinthians 3.8. When we build on a good foundation that was laid by the, prophet, by the apostles and the prophets with gold, silver, precious stones, there's a reward for that, 1 Corinthians 3.14. For willingly preaching the gospel, not just doing it out of duty, but willingly preaching the gospel, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 9, 17 and 18. For serving the Lord wholeheartedly, Colossians 3, 24. For not quitting, for not giving up, for not throwing in the towel, for continuing with the confidence of the Lord's soon return and the reward that he is bringing with him. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 tells us about the reward there. Counting the reproach of Christ, greater riches than all the world has to offer. There's a reward for that, Hebrews eleven twenty six, And for all the work we have done for Christ, there is a reward, Revelation 22, 12. So the challenge of Matthew 10 is great. I mean, as you read through the early part of chapter 10, um, the Lord is asking for a wholehearted, all-out, uh, discipleship and, and, and love for him and expression of that love in our service for him. It's sacrificial service. 
But at the end of the challenge, he reminds us of his amazing grace demonstrated by the abundance of gifts, crowns, and rewards that he will give to those who serve him with all their hearts. And I want to just end with this one verse. It's a verse that I often think about as I serve the Lord and as I see others serving the Lord as well. For God, it's Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God will not forget that, and he will reward you according to his riches. Let's give him thanks. Lord, we thank you so much for saving our souls. Thank you that we can serve you because we love you. And Lord, on top of that, you have given uh, rewards and you have promised uh, crowns and rewards for faithful service. Lord, more than anything, we want to hear your words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. We want to be with you. That will be reward enough, Lord. But honestly, you just your grace is seen once again in the way that you have just superabounded in your in your grace and your love and the rewards that you are offering to us. Lord, motivate us in our service for you this week. Give us the opportunity to serve you, to to show once again, Lord, that we love you and we want to. Uh, serve you no matter what the cost. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.